Other horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a simplistic play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a balance. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, we were right there. We both predicted 48-7. to and Alabama actually got a touchdown instead of the two field goals, so 49-7. to We were right there. We're dialed in, right? I think so, but we missed it by one point, man. So I guess we can't go uh, bet on any college football games and relive our glory anytime soon. Well, there's parts of that I think we're okay not not reliving, but uh, we'll save those stories for, uh, for a meetup sometime. Uh, you want to jump in the offense, or uh, is there something uh, something else you want to lead us off with? You know, I am going to uh, throw you a little bit of a curveball, um, non-intentional, and I think we might have a new segment for this year's podcast. We've yet to have one, but I think we uh, we need to explore a new segment uh, for this year's podcast. Well, I am intrigued because you have poobahed most of my uh, segment ideas. I think we got the Q report and it was the Mosley report. Uh, so we've had two reports in, in 10 years. Uh, we've tempted, attempted others. So uh, I am edge of seat. <laughs> All right. Well, this one, dude, I just, okay. I, I want your thoughts on doing this one, right? Because um, there's something to this. I think we have to have, I, I think we at least have to, to dive deeper on this podcast, if not, if not an episode for, for future podcasts on another Slade Bolden sighting. All right. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> the listeners want to know more about this person. Who is this person? Why is this person coming in and, and being inserted in very unusual situations in the offense? I mean, just like two weeks ago when he came into the game on a fourth down play to to run a play on the offense. Coach Saban doesn't do things like that. What's up with this kid? Like, why, why is this kid getting the opportunity to do such things, I guess is my question for you. So you want, you want like a, a Where's Waldo style, Where's Slade? Dude, that's – I'm okay with that. I, I really want – yes. I, I mean, like, I mean – as you are watching these games, and he's popped up a couple times now, are you not thinking to yourself, who is this kid, and why is this kid like getting these opportunities just sprinkled in when he does? Well, right now, I'm just freaked out that are you looking over my shoulder because I have his name written down twice on my notes. So, Dude, we've, so. Been, we've been doing this show for a long time, right? And so um, – there's many times that we've been on the same wavelength, uh, which I think helps the show. Uh, so, so it sounds like you were prepared to toss me the pitch, and I just pitched it to you instead. So, elaborate. What? What? Tell the listeners what's the story with this kid. Well, I, you know, we've seen him play, and we've seen him play other other positions, but you know, on Saturday alone, uh, you know, obviously special teams, and he had a tackle there. 
Uh, he had uh, a reception, I want to say 17, 18, 19 uh, yard reception, and he went in in sort of a wildcat package uh, at the at the uh, the quarterback position. Uh, it's not the first time. Saturday was not the first time that he's done any of those uh, three things. He does seem to have uh, something of a uh, little specialty subset of plays, and 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 certainly brings a unique skill set to to those. The what I was going to talk about, and and it was potential mini game ball material, but it's uh, it's uh, headlined no apparently <laughs> no longer right. Uh, but, but, I was but, but for the listeners, about, for the listeners, real quick, wasn't he the kid that thwarted the uh, fake punt? Didn't he? Wasn't he in on the tackle two weeks ago? Yes, seems okay. like he was in on one of those okay. one of those tackles as well. Yeah, yeah, that's no, that's a good call. You know what stood out to me when he lined up at the quarterback position, and again, it was sort of the wildcat uh, situation. We uh, Tua lined out wide uh, to the left, and we were looking to you know just get a few yards. For, for the touchdown and what he did, he showed, <clears throat> and it was a simple little play, but it was the kind of play where you see not just freshmen, not just true freshmen, but it was the kind of play where you see players rush, try to rush the action and, and not let the action come to him. And, and Slade knew that he was going to pitch the ball to Najee and Najee was going to run for the first down. So it was a little bit of an option, but he didn't force it. He took the ball, stood there, stood there, and waited for the defense to collapse to him so that he could pitch the ball out. He didn't try to run out. He didn't try to, you know, like I said, he didn't try to force the action. He let the action come to him. It was a, you know, a, you know, one, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, three and a half, one thousand. He's he's pitching the ball, but you could you could tell there was a pause, a pause, a pause, and then a pitch. And I just thought that was a great amount of poise. Even for we see senior quarterbacks, we see senior, uh, you know, players or upperclassmen that will ru- try to rush a play. They know what they're supposed to do. They just do it now. And and he took that pause. And so I think we're gonna. And, and you talk about you use the expression football intelligence. I think that's a, that was a sort of a subtle demonstration of that. We will see more Slade Bolden. Uh, and then uh, let me add just one more thought because you're asking why this scene, this is out of sort of Saban's wheelhouse. I completely agree. We've seen over the last 10 years a progression of, of Saban, and I think this is part of it. I, I think that he used to issue a special package or someone come in and just have a handful of plays, and I think he, he understands – I think it's a little bit of his, you know, relationship with, um, with Belichick, um, where it's you know, hey, have a sub package, have a guy that can do ten plays, and then you can you can run in and out of that without it adjusting. It adds a wrinkle to or a dimension to your offense without you know overhauling the offense. And so I think there's something there. I think we're going to see more. Uh, Slade Bolden. I was thinking about it, and the announcer said it, you know, Saturday that that you know we'll see him pass because he played quarterback in high school, and I think he's just uh, I think he's just one of these dynamic, you know, not super uber athletic, but I think he's dynamic in that he can do a lot of things, and um, yeah, I think I think uh, I think we're going to see uh, more Slade Bolden. So clearly, I thought about this. <laughs> it was a surprise that that you went there first, but. 
uh, yeah, I was kind of wound up on uh, on Slade Bolton, so I probably had more there for you than than you were thinking. No, that's awesome, man. I, the the listeners are glad to hear this. Well, for the listener's standpoint, this kid is a is a red is a red shirt freshman, um, but this kid comes out of West Monroe, Louisiana, and so what you know when I when I had this sighting, I had to go back and and do some do some research here, and you know just to remind the listeners and myself. This kid was a four-star prospect two years ago. He was rated as the number 13th player in the state of Louisiana. And as we know, Louisiana is one of those four states, right, full of talent. So he was ranked as the number 25 athlete in the country and the 11th all-purpose back. Oh, by the way, he was named the Gatorade Louisiana Football Player of the Year, one of the top baseball players in Louisiana with a four-point grade point average. And, oh, by the way, he played quarterback his senior year in high school. The only reason I'm throwing that out for the listeners real quick is listen to all that crap I just said, right? That's, that's, a, that's a unique kid. So I think we're seeing this now because they redshirted him last year. and. I, I think this was in the cards when he got recruited to come to Alabama, which just intrigues the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean he's he's the natural gym rat kind of guy, right? In in sort of the age or era of specializ- specialization, I mean he's probably the kid that ran out the front door, uh, you know, to play ball all day and and didn't come home until you know it was after dark and and playing ball and sports, you know, just kind of all day. Uh, whatever the season was, he was probably playing it. Uh, he kind of he kind of strikes me in that way uh you leading reading off sort of the litany of of his experience sort of sort of sort of plays uh plays to that uh as well you know i'll i'll say you know but, but i haven't david, seen david, anything i'm sorry david would he strike if i would if i wouldn't have read that to you would you have guessed mm-hmm. that he was listed as the number 25th ranked all-purpose <clears throat> athlete in the 2018 class or the number 11th all-purpose back Looking at the guy on the I'm field, sure I, probably, I never would have. Yeah. I never would have guessed that. No, that's fair. I mean, I, to your point, he was a redshirt freshman, and so two years ago, I probably read that. Uh, sure, but sure. you know that had sort of that wasn't you know front and center that that uh, you know that he was he was rated that high and and rated that uh, that dynamic. Uh, but I think I think you're right. I think Saban's got a package for him, and and I'll say this, um, y- you know, I. I haven't heard a lot, you know, read or or uh, printed, written about about him. But if uh, if Tuscaloosa News comes out next week and and they have you know three articles on on Slade, then I'm going to swear that they're reading or uh, they're listening to our podcast because uh, you made the comment about uh, a couple of weeks ago about Devonte Smith. Smitty must have the strongest hands and the way he reached down and um, and within within. <laughs> Within that next week, uh, there was a nice big article uh, about the exercises he does for his hand strength. So if they come out next week uh, and they're talking Slade Bolden, then um, then hey, Tuscaloosa News, how you doing? Absolutely, man. Well, the fact that they have him listed on the bio page as a wide receiver, and some other publications have him listed as a cornerback, and here he did play you know quarterback in high school. I just think kudos to him that. He's finding a way to get on the field. 
as a red shirt freshman, all 5'10", 190 pounds of him at a place like the University of Alabama, right? I mean, kudos yep. to him. Like, hell, Tua's there and Tua's brother's there. And, and there's, you know, he's like, okay, I'm not going to be quarterback, but I'm going to find my way to nudge myself on the field and to, and to do everything I can, special teams, et cetera. And a- after seeing him a couple weeks now, I was like, man, I mean, kudos to the kid. So we, we might have if, – if he, if he keeps stepping up and, you know, running the wildcat and, you know, <laughs> um, uh, stopping a fourth down fake punt and, hell, next thing you know, he's going to be kicking extra points, man. It's just, it's just awesome for, for this guy. It's just a, it's a cool story. So what what no, what else? I think so. I, no, I'm good. I'm good with the wear slate. I, I think I think I think we gotta we gotta we gotta po- kind of poke at that. But uh, uh, no, that's good stuff. Uh, that's absolutely good stuff. Uh, who who would have guessed? When was the last time we played uh, four different players at quarterback? Uh, you know, if you count Slade, we did that Saturday. So, where else you want to go on offense? I just want to uh, talk real quick about. Um, do you think there is a push here? A concerted effort to win two of the Heisman? I I don't know. I really don't. I mean, you know, he, he had an okay day. You know, I say okay. He had a really good day. Uh, not not quite as good as what he did against South, uh, South Carolina, yeah. But, you know, the five touchdowns, that's that's really, really nice. I think the RPO is, it, especially with the slants, it's almost designed, uh, you know, for – you know, for the the quick strike slants and the receivers, especially rugs, are are so fast. And so, and and I say that to say this: literally, the play is a is is a run pass option. That's the RPO part, right? And and so he's passing because that's what the defense is giving. As surprising as is that sounds, so you would think if we were running a concerted effort to give him the Heisman, we would do a couple things. It wouldn't be RPO as much as it would be just straight out pass plays. Um, and, and, you know, more intricate routes also think we would keep Tua in the game longer. And so I don't think it's a concerted effort. Um, now we get into, you know, a big sec game and we might leave him out for an extra series and let him toss a little bit more. So he gets that fourth or fifth touchdown against an LSU or against, you know, Texas A&M um, cuz those touchdowns probably count more than a touchdown against Southern Miss. Well, we talked about the weapons he has at his disposal, right? And we've talked on podcasts before about you know, guys, you need to sit and enjoy this because these are some special wide receivers, right? And you know, these quarterback, the John Parker Wilsons who were throwing to Julio's thinking, damn, I wish I'd have had these guys that, you know, I could split all over the field. So to your point, just the skill set of these wide receivers is probably why they are, you know, he's going to the to the pass so much because, because they are open all the time, right? I get yeah. that. But by the same token, the fact that he was 17 of 21 for five touchdowns and the fact that the announcers point out another game where he's had fewer, he's had more touchdowns than incompletions. I mean, that's just mind boggling. Even though he didn't break 300 yards, 17 of 21 for five touchdowns. We'll never see this. But Tommy from an Alabama quarterback, dude, that's just no. freaking ridiculous. No. 
No, you won't. And remember, you know, and this goes back a couple of years, but remember, you know, there AJ McCarron was a starter for, you know, two or three years. And so we had we had sort of the perfect McCarron stat line, right? And it would have gone something along the lines of, you know, 17 of 22 for 243 and two touchdowns. And, you know, Tua tightens that up a little bit, uh, almost gets to 300 and, you know, five touchdowns. And so, you know, he rounds everything up off what would have been, you know, what we used to call the perfect McCarron stat line. Oh, I, I want to say I even think it might have even been as generous of like 20 of 30 kind of deal. And so, you know, if it was, you know, because let's face it, right, quarterback in the NFL, if they're completing 65% of the passes, sure, they are deemed to be doing a good job. And so by the flip side, you know, the quarterback that faced uh, the Alabama defense is known. Uh, I want to say I heard the announcer say that uh, – I want to say I heard, you know, that he had, his, he had a very high stat line last year in his uh, – in his completion percentage. Well, he had a respectable 17 of 26, one touchdown. Whereas the other quarterback 17 of 21 for five touchdowns. So it's just, it's just, it's just an unusual stat. Um, or just a unusual phenomenon that, that Alabama is blessed to, to have. Um, what, what jumped out at you on offense? Did, did you, how, how did you feel like Najee did? Yeah, I thought I thought I thought Najee maybe have listened to the podcast last week. Uh, uh, he came to the know, party, right? I, I, what's that? He came to the party. Well, he did. He did, and he he did exactly what I was suggesting he wasn't doing last week. And so uh, I don't know if he was sort of playing off uh, his experience and and his success last week. Uh, I kind of kidded in a, in a in a sort of a Facebook summary that that I put out after the game that maybe he had listened to the podcast. Clearly, I don't I don't think that, but he was hitting the hole and running in the running lanes, and I think even Saban commented that he was hitting the hole, running in the lanes. Um, I'll add better than I've ever seen him do that, and so I think that you know he had the first 100 yard uh, rushing day on the season. And I was maybe his second in his career. And he seemed to play with more energy, more, more enthusiasm. I've seen him run angry. And he, when he runs happy, he seems to run better. And, on, and he, seemed to, he seemed to be, um, he seemed to, to be very comfortable on Saturday and especially comfortable running in the running lanes Letting the letting the offensive line, you know, let the blocks come to the offensive line and let the line do their job, and and hand in hand, right? You know, chicken or egg, the offensive line played a lot better too. And so, did they? Did the offensive line play better, or did the running back run in the running lanes, which allowed the line to look better? I don't know which of those com- comes first, but they're both true of the Tide's performance on Saturday. I think there could be a little bit of both. And, you know, yes. just like just like we had a stat from McCarron, right, with the two-headed monster under Saban, we used to always say the starting tailback needs 20 carries to get going, right? He needs 20 carries, and the backup gets 10 carries, so we run the ball 30 times. Yep. Well, a good stat line would have been the primary back doing 20 carries for, you know, getting 100 yards. Would have been a five-yard yeah. average. 
dude, dude to his credit, had 14 carries for 110 with almost eight-yard average. So he got it done with only 14 carries. So yeah, he really did. No, he really did. And 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 I take nothing away from Brian either. I think he had some really hard running uh, uh, lanes, and I think he he ran the ball really tough inside, and you know got a touchdown for it. I think I was pleased I, with his performance too. No, I, I was, but I think this game showed a little. And obviously, there's more games to be played. But this game showed a dynamic nature in Najee's repertoire that Brian yep. doesn't have. I I agree. Nothing against Brian. No. Brian's going to get the tough yards, but I think Najee flashed in this game, and I don't think Brian flashed. I think Brian just brought his lunch pail and went to work, and I think Najee flashed a little bit. No, I agree. We said last week, or it, you know, I said last week that you know Najee is the better athlete, but doesn't run inside, and so he doesn't maximize it as a as a running back. Well, he put that together um, Saturday in a way that I've not seen him do probably in his career. I mean, he's had good days before, and you know, good carries here and there, but uh, in terms of sort of full package, that's I think that's the best that that I've seen out of him. And, you know, for good measure, he had a receiving touchdown, too. Uh, and that was a great formation, you know, just to kind of pick on that. We were in 12, 12 personnel with with two tight ends and Najee out, you know, flanking, flanking the tight ends. And so one tight end curls in, uh, you know, more aggressive a, a, a curl in. And, you know, another tight end sort of runs – and it's at the goal line, so there's – when I say it's sort of a, a a slant, it's you know he, he runs out through four yards and then and then slants over, and and then Najee kind of peels off the other way, and that creates a lot of congestion there for the you know for the uh, for the defenders, and I think with the tight ends both motioning, you think somebody's going to stay in a block with the tight ends both motioning. It left it left Najee uncovered, so that was the easiest sort of pitch and catch all day. But the fact that you know there's a little bit of design there with the route runners, and then of course you put Najee out there because he has the athleticism. Uh, I it was it was a really good day, and I hope to see uh, the game planning and then just the athleticism and, and call it engagement of Najee. I hope to see more of that as the season progresses. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Well, you were touching on the offensive line, and we talked about this was their time to step up because uh, Devontae Brown is, you know, ready to, you know, to come back after his four-game suspension. I do think they played better, but I don't think they played – I think that they didn't play well enough to keep Brown off the field next week. I'll say it that way. No, I don't either. Uh, I don't think so either. Now, I think they played better than they have all season. And so if, in you know, and we said, you know, they need to play like it's a contract year. They need to play like every one of them wants to stay on the field. And I think they did that. And when I start hunting for who's going to come off the field I'm not so sure that I know who that who that may be. Uh, you know, it's easy Deontay to say go? that. Where does Deontay? What's go? that? Where does Deontay go though? 
I don't know. I don't know. And and I think he's a guard and I think he's more natural, uh, a left guard. And so, you know, that puts Evan Neal at sort of the top, the top of the list. You could say that, you know, could he, uh, could Deontay flip over to right guard and, and does Landon go to center? Yeah, that could happen too. And I don't think centers is, is Landon's natural position, but do you sacrifice a little bit there for the sake of getting your best five on the field? If that's the way it nets out. I mean, I think you do. I, I think, I think, I think it'll be interesting. I still am bullish on the line getting better, and I predicate that on Deontay Brown uh, coming back and and getting a starting position. Um, I guess now that it could happen as as early as this next week, um, I don't know who I'm comfortable saying sits down, but I we're gonna see him play, and he may not start the game, but I think he he plays most of the game. And I and I'll say this, and I'll say this for for the listeners. I've seen a lot of uh, people maybe complaining about, well, Deontay doesn't look like he's in shape. Tell me when he ever has looked like he's in shape. Uh, he has got a terrible body, uh, but is an incredible road grading player. And so for all the sort of the the angst over, he looks like he hasn't been working out. Well, he's been working out with a team. There's no question about that. And he looked as 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 frumpy as anybody last year, and was one of the best linemen on the field. So i i don't I don't think there's a connective tissue there. I just think that's that's I I don't know. I, I want to say fans sort of not paying attention. I hate to I hate to phrase it that way, but I mean I don't know. Did he ever look like you know? Did Deontay Brown ever look like Landon Dickerson? I don't know that he ever did. No, that's fair. But how do you think Saban plays this? Because obviously they they tried to appeal the four game suspension to at least try to minimize it. What do you think Saban does? What sends the message that Saban wants to send? Does he let I don't think Brown come back as soon as he can? Because obviously Ole Miss is not the Ole Miss of of past Ole Miss teams. Um, and then you have a bye, and then it's time to strap it on at Texas A and M. So you want to give him game time before Texas A&M if he's going to be one of those five starters at Kyle Field. So you want to get you want to get some reps with you know that first unit, right? You absolutely do. Unless, unless though, Dave Saban is like you shouldn't have put yourself in a like is is it a message sending of okay, well, now you've got to earn your way back and you're not going to start and you're going to get some reps, but you're going to work your way back into a starter. I think absolutely Saban is going to, you know, require that he earn his position back. So that is is absolutely true. Does that mean he has to sit or has he earned, could he have earned his position back in practice, um, I think he very well, very well, he could. I have noticed that this week and 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 less so in prior weeks, he was he's been listed as running with the twos. I, you know, I think he's always done that probably a little bit, but during the media observation period, it seems like less. Seems like I saw more of that last week uh, and and this week than than um, than previously. So I think he has been. 
you know, sort of given, call it the green light to compete back for the position and have a runway of competing for the position as opposed to being held out until now. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to say two different things. I don't know that he starts Saturday against Ole Miss, but I don't know that he hasn't been earning his right to start in weekly practices. No, that's fair, right? Because it's not an injury situation, right? So um, I don't think he starts. I think it sends the wrong message to the team if he does start. Um, I think it would be non-Saban-like for him to start. And I see him running with the twos when the when the game is, you know, when, when the twos come in. And then I see him having to use the bye week to earn his way back to be a starter that runs out on the field in College Station. That's that's my guess. I would say this. I would say watch for I'm a, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just gonna be a little more subtle. Watch for that last possession, and you never know really when it is. Because, you know, Saban keeps guys out there. But watch for that last possession when it's still the starters and they haven't gone to the twos. Watch if Dante uh, Deontay comes in that series. And I bet that he does. I bet that he gets at least one series with the ones and then stays in when the twos come in. That's fair. Um that will definitely be worth uh, worth watching. Well, tell me tell me what else jumped out at you on offense before we do mini game ball. Well, just Henry Ruggs. I mean, he had a career day in the, in the first quarter, and his second uh, touchdown, the the longer touchdown, uh, Tua put that ball out, and uh, uh, Henry. I mean, he's so fast. I don't think it was a bad throw as as much as you know. Ruggs is just so fast, and he had to wait for that ball. You know, just you know, just a hiccup. And that allowed, you know, sort of the free charge and safety to, to gain some of the ground. And as soon as Ruggs caught it and 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 almost did a full turnaround, <clears throat> as soon as he hit the Jets, he started pulling away from that guy. And I thought that that's darn impressive because the guy had the angle, he had the momentum, he was catching up. And how many times have we seen a guy catch the ball and then is tackled where he caught the ball? And Ruggs just has the speed where he was able to to wait for the ball and then turn it on, and you could just almost see the uh, the defender, you know, just the disheartening uh, sense that the defender must have had that, you know, I'm never going to catch this guy if if he has that kind of speed. Well, and he did a good job of 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 running away from him because he was at the hash when he when he finally got turned around and started heading to the goal line. He was at the he was at the left hash, and then when he entered the you know end zone, he was right by the pylon. So he also yep. has the football sense to you know make him chase me toward the pylon from the hash, and yep. and therefore he's not going to be able. The, just like we said on the kickoff play, right in the in the other game, this just shows his his football uh, awareness of you know. Somebody going through all that effort to turn themselves around to catch the ball would just be so thrilled they caught the ball. And if they get yes. if they got tackled, they'd just stand up and say, Look at me what I did. Look at my big play. He's not he's he's like, No, this is my chance to score. And right. so that that that's just, you know, that that's just that that's just what sets him apart in in, yep. in his in his skill set. And he does that and it's so electric that Jerry Judy has the quietest two touchdown day I've ever seen. 
Yes. Yes. And, and everybody was talking about rugs, but, <laughs> but I, will also, exactly right. I will also say though, that not only will we not see this again with, with Tua, but with this stable of wide receivers, with a quarterback who throws you open and, and, you know, Jerry Judy, a couple of weeks ago was doing some interview. I think all three wide receivers was doing an interview with some sec ESPN personality and, they were talking about the fade route in the end zone. And they had just done some segment the week leading up to, maybe it was leading up to the Duke game. And they were talking about the fade route. And Ruggs was covering Jerry Judy. And, you know, they were talking about one way they keep defenders from being able to play the ball is they literally just pop their hands up at the very last second. And mm-hmm. so they're they're literally just running the route and they're not really even looking back to the ball. And then they just barely look back to the ball and they still keep their hands down and they pop their hands up above their head at the very last second. And they're like, that way the defenders can't just, you know, get a beat on the ball and try to knock it out of our hands. Well, dude, yep. you can only do that when you have a quarterback who can throw the ball through a keyhole. I mean, you you can't do that unless you have a guy with this kid's accuracy where you can just put your hands up at the last second and the ball just be sitting on the palm of your hands. Yeah. Well, how many times how many times do we say on on this podcast that that the ball placement that the receiver just plucked it out of the air, the quarterback couldn't have run down the field and handed it to him any more smoothly than you know than that pitch and catch. And that's a testament, you know, clearly to the receiver, but, you know, also to the quarterback. And and you're right. You don't hear that very often. You don't see that very often, but, but it is, it is truly, you know, the, the, the blessing of the Tua era uh, at Alabama, because, you know, I've probably said that more times in the last two years than I've said it in my lifetime, uh, you know, watching games. Absolutely. Well, anything else on offense before we do mini game ball? You know, we've kind of gone away from the the tight ends. Uh, you know, after the the first game, the the you know first couple of touchdowns were were tight ends. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see that sort of rotate back in uh, into the play calling. I think that's going to be there, but uh, it's just there's a lot of weapons, and this offense uh, there's room for it to improve, and we're going to start to see it with the running game. Uh, you know, Deontay, you know, continuing to to spread the ball around. Um, it's about to get exciting on offense, I think. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. But uh, it it does look like Miller Forstall is getting is getting the lion's share of the run. Yes, in that situation, right? Well, tell me, tell me who who's your mini game ball on offense? Well, I I'm kind of torn. I was gonna. Um, <clears throat> I think we've talked about you know where I was gonna go with with the mini game ball. Uh, you know, I was going to pull out Slade, uh, sort of wear Slade with a Wildcat quarterback, um, you know, a, a, a completion as, as well as a tackle. And then I was just going to throw some mini game balls at the offensive line. So uh, I think I probably covered my mini game balls. What do you got? Well, I wanted your take on the the beef that was brought in in short yardage at the goal line. And the, the job – the in and the player I saw was number eighty five, but eighty five doesn't line up with the roster sheet. 
Um, yeah. He was an offensive so Ky- lineman-looking gentleman who came yeah. in those short yardage plays, and I think he got enough push and and brought some – brought something to the table that maybe Major and Miller is not going to be able to do in that situation that we might see more of. Yeah, it's the it's the Rudolph kid, uh, offensive lineman. He changed numbers to 85. Uh, I did not notice that in the game, uh, but I but I did read something post-game about it. So I think that's a that's a good observation. You know, clearly, um, and we've taken here's what's interesting, right? We've taken a couple of times this season I've seen uh, uh, Matt Womack, and I've actually seen uh, Alex Bra- uh, Alex Leatherwood uh, line up on the other side as as a sixth offensive lineman in in essence as in the tight end position. But to take uh, to take Rudolph, an offensive lineman, and give him number eighty five, that makes you wonder what are what are we going to do with that? Because if it was more of a one off. We wanted a, a big body out there, then we probably would have brought Womack in, or we would have done something just with with a third tackle. Uh, but to take him to give him eighty five, um, that's going to be something interesting to watch. Oh, absolutely, man! It just it, it caught my eye because he 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 really did a good job when he came into the game, um, right? For sure. Um, real quick, uh, I'm going to give. Um, in the spirit of the mini game ball, as you like to say, um, you know, um, we, we, we had the Slade Bolton sighting. And <clears throat> if you recall, not only did he do the Wildcat, but he had that big catch uh, in the game with Tua's little brother as well. Yep. And that was a nice 20-yard grab for, for a key yep. first down. And so – you know, the the traditional rules of redshirting that have always been in place until they, you know, change these. Um, under the old rules, Talia would have never seen the field, right? Right. So because of the rules, because of the change in the four games, uh, what did you think of them tipping the cap to him and letting him get some run with five minutes left in the game? I'm not surprised. I think that's in line with what what we've sort of forecasted is that we're and, and, and again the rules help with that, right? Um, but I think I think we're going to see him get some run, uh, an opportunity to get some play, so that he's not flat footed in the competition with uh, Mac Jones next year. But but they let him complete a pass. On fourth yes. five at the Southern Miss thirty-eight with five minutes left in the game, did that surprise you that they put him in that situation in his first, you know, couple plays as an Alabama quarterback? We're too far no. to get a field goal, so we're going to let you run it fourth and five. In other words, okay, I guess what I'm saying is, and I know we got to flip the field, is you know Alabama teams up forty-two to seven on fourth and five at the thirty-eight runs the ball straight ahead. They don't even try to get a first down, and they give the ball away, right? I mean, dude, when's the last time we saw a Coach Saban team up 42-7 to with five minutes left in the fourth quarter on fourth and five at the other team's 38? Let a quarterback pass the ball. Yeah, I think this is I think this is sort of the softening or, or evolution of Saban too. And I think, I, I think it's a little bit of what Saban and Kiffin – used to sort of butt heads against. And, and I think 
you know, I, I call it a little bit, maybe Saban's sort of come around to the, to the idea that you can in practice say all you want around, all right, fourth down, we're going for the first down, or we don't get this, the team runs sprints. You can sort of manufacture that pressure all you want, but nothing will nothing will equal it's fourth down in a game in Bryant-Denny. I'm going to let you throw the ball. And so you can't manufacture that. And so it was almost like a coaching freebie because from that distance, we're not going to kick it. From that distance, there's no sense punting it. And so it's in at that point in the game, the score, what it is, that's a that is a freebie. And so let him throw it and let him get that that real experience of going to the line on a fourth down and not fourth and one, we're gonna, you know, run it or pitch it or sweep it. We gotta throw it. And that's you you can't manufacture that and to uh, got a taste of it. No, I agree, man. It was just, uh, you know, very non-Saban-like. So I just wanted to call it out for the listeners um, for <laughs> sure. Well, let's let's flip the field to defense. Um, obviously, we've got some injuries, you know, some players that weren't in the game. Um, talk a little bit for the listeners about who wasn't out there to start with. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Terrell Lewis uh, sat out and, uh, you know, Saban was kind of coy about it. Uh, I'd, you know, I'd read a couple articles that Saban had, had given – giving him a day off last week and calling it sort of a maintenance day because he was coming off, you know, the, you know, injuries the last couple of seasons. And, and, and it turns out he had a, a little bit of a, a procedure done. And so take about a, a week, uh, w- you know, week and a half to, to recover from that. And, you know, they gave Lewis the option, you know, do you want to do this during the bye week or do you want to, you know, do it now? And, and, you know, you think, you think, would do it during the bye week so I don't miss game time. But I think there's a bigger picture that says, let's do it earlier as opposed to later so there's more time to get full recovery uh, before, you know, the big games later in the season. And so I, I think he was held out for um, for that reason. Uh, he's played really well this season, and I look forward to seeing more uh, of his play, uh, especially when he's, when he's back healthy. Uh, he might play a little bit against Ole Miss. I would – uh, I would venture probably just a little bit, get fully healthy uh, after the bye, and uh, I think we're going to see a, a really healthy uh, Terrell Lewis come a What do you think the procedure was? Uh, what I think uh, – I could have told you if you didn't ask. I think uh, it, I've read like six articles about it, and it's, it's sort of escaped my mind. It's all good, uh, man. I it, just – I just yeah. was I just was curious. We we can come back to this. So so tell me tell me what else jumped out at you on defense. What did you think of, you know, are we going to a base dime for the reason we talked about before versus the base nickel because of the whole linebacker depth thing? Because, you know, Christian Harris got run, but um I I seem I, the the dime is getting used a lot more than the nickel. It is, uh, it is, and I, I think it's. I think it's a little bit of two things. I think it's a little bit, uh, you know, maybe simplifying uh, for Christian Harris uh, a little bit, and I, I think you know, definitely playing teams the last couple of weeks that uh, that throw the ball around uh, a little bit, and so I think there's a there's a little bit of truth to to both of those. I think Ole Miss tosses the ball around 
uh, a little bit. And so I think we are going to see some of that manufactured uh, depth at the uh, at, at the linebacker position. We're going to see more dime, uh, I would say, this week, uh, this week against Ole Miss as well. Well, and what we're doing, right, is as, as we talked about before for the listeners, is we are, we are able to play an experienced, you know, hard-hitting safety at the linebacker position by moving Xavier, you know, up there. And yep. um, he looks very comfortable up there. He really does, and I would say across the board, and, and you know, I could say the same thing about about sort of two groupings. I think the young defenders, as as a whole, uh, are looking really a lot more comfortable. And I would say the secondary is well as, as well. Uh, I think the the shift of Patrick Sertain back to corner, uh, shy at at uh, at the the star position. Uh, Trevion looks really good. He is really rounding into, into form back where he was, you know, later last season. Um, I like Maiden and, uh, in, in the, uh, in, in the dime, we're seeing a lot more, uh, Jordan battle. Uh, and I think he's earned that position. And, and again, this is, I I've used the term sort of Ruby's cube a couple of times. Right. But I think, I think battle plays that, you know, that safety position better than than Job plays corner. Uh, I think Shy plays the star position better than Job plays the corner. And so it's not a one for one, but it's one for relative to that position compared to one for relative to the other position. And so um, I like the the tandem that we're putting. I hate, I hate that anyone rotates out because they're all good enough to start, and they probably would start for most other teams in the conference. Uh, and we're talking, you know, seven deep at, at the at the position, but somebody's got to when you have that many. And I really like the six that we're putting on the field in a, in a dime. Um, and I know jo- uh, Jordan Battle is is more of a safety type. Uh, was really rated as safety, but I, I did see there was a uh, there was a good article. I can't remember who put it out, but it was talking about how did Alabama win the uh, the recruiting battle for uh, for Battle over Ohio State, and it had a lot to do with the, the coaching uh, changes there with Urban Meyer. But one of the things that, according to, to Battle, that Meyer was telling him is that he was going to make him a big uh, a big corner. And so that's interesting. We're using him as safety. Uh, we've been calling him a safety type, but you know some other really good coaches thought that he might have an opportunity at corner, and that may really sort of unlock the question I had in my mind around his versatility and why is he beating other people out? Well, if he had the talent at Ohio State to play a big corner, uh, then certainly, uh, certainly a safety uh, in the dime is is a good use of his skill set. Oh, sure. But are you surprised we're not really seeing Daniel Wright? No, um, I'm not. And uh, you know what I have what I have heard, and so you know, breaking news are are you know just. Uh, referencing, you know, a prior conversation. Uh, what I've heard about Daniel Wright is uh, he's a really, really good player, uh, but doesn't grasp all the nuance of, of the uh, play uh, of the playbook uh, quite as well as, as some of the others. And so when he's allowed to just kind of play at, at, at his speed at play at speed, uh, he, he's a really good contributor, but there's just those nuances in the, in the playbook that sometimes, slow him down 
And I think that's why we're not seeing quite as, as much of him. What I would really like to see is him master that because I think he then he would be um, maybe in the starting nickel, but he would certainly be in the starting dime if he could just get over, you know, sort of, I'll call it sort of crass, um, uh, um, you know, cross that last sort of cusp on learning the playbook. All right. Well, what else jumped out at you? What What did you think of, um, how did you, it seemed like Christian Harris took a few more steps in this game and, and got a yeah. few more opportunities than he had the week before. And what's interesting is, in looking at these two freshmen, um, you know, Christian Harris is the Shane, – Shane Lee and Christian Harris both seem very athletically gifted and talented, uh, but Christian Harris seems to – I don't want to say the better athlete because Shane Lee is obviously yeah, no, that's, playing it's very true. well. But Christian Harris, when things – completely slow down for him um he he's gonna be he's gonna be that dynamic guy well he is and he is more athletic than 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 Shane Lee and that's not a knock on Shane Lee at all um I just think you know Christian Harris is the better sort of pure athlete I mean he played safety you know he played he played corner and safety in high school and so um you know he has that that type of skill set so moving into middle linebacker at this level of, of football is a big shift, uh, especially for a true freshman. And so we're going to continue to see him evolve and grow and, and get better. Uh, but he he played really well, especially compared to last week, I would say. And um, uh, he had a run fit where, I mean, it's highlight reel material. Uh, I mean, when he, if he, you know, when he's drafted, they will, they will go back and show that because it was just a highlight reel of his reading and and coming across and, and filling, uh, hitting hitting the running back in in the hole, uh, it was it was sort of textbook kind of stuff, and uh, really pleased with with his performance. and And he racked up six tackles. He was he was one of the leaders on the team. What do you think about Shane Lee? We're talking you know talking to both young middle linebackers. It seemed that Southern Miss went after him and went after him in coverage uh, a couple of times. I thought that was smart game planning, but it didn't quite work out. Uh, but what do you think um, Southern Miss going after him a little bit? Oh, I think it was a great idea on their part. They had nothing to lose. I mean, I, I was surprised at, you know, I didn't expect them to try to run between the tackles very much. But South Carolina had a lot of success with matching up their big physical tight ends against our smaller secondary players um, and even letting their big tight ends, you know, run the ball and sweep plays, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And yet Southern Miss comes out and says, we're just going to go five wide and we're just going to spend most of our time running five wide and, and match up with you and your dime. And, and it left Shane Lee out there by himself. And, and so then when they would split the wide receiver out to the sideline, excuse me, the, the tailback out to the sideline and, you know, you would, you would see to Michael Harris, you know, go out to the far right or far left and Shane Lee would be all the way on the sideline with him. Um, that wasn't a good matchup for Alabama. I mean, it, it worked out, but I'm, no, yeah. I'm going to tell you that your comment for the listeners about Christian Harris, you know, played safety and cornerback and, 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 you know, here they are trying to put him at linebacker. Um, 
I can't imagine the terror that that the havoc that he wreaked in high school football um as a corner as a as a corner and safety uh at six yep. two two hundred and thirty nine pounds. Well um, and I look forward I look forward to him and again I think it's more playbook mastery. I think you know Shane Lee's ahead of him in that regard. I I think there there will come a time and it may not be this year. This may be next year. There will come a time when we go to a dime and Christian Harris is is truly is the better linebacker to be on the field in those circumstances. And and when he has an opportunity to execute in coverage, when he has that mastery of the playbook, because as his athleticism is there, uh, you know, he's just got to have the, I think the playbook mastery and that's going to come. I knew I should have said that before I let you have the talking stick again. Gosh, my See, I was like, you know, he's not going to say that. Let me just go ahead and let him have the talking stick. And then you freaking said nope. it. Yes. Nope. When you can have a 239-pound converted cornerback safety in the middle of your package, oh, my goodness. Um, talk a little bit about um, the – just very quickly before we go to many game balls, I love the fact that they tried to give a lot of – these young guys run on the defensive line, you know, because because of the because of how thin they are, because Terrell yep. was not in the game, and you know because LeBron Ray was not in the game. Um, talk for the listeners about what you saw from the young kids, um, you know, like for example Justin, who yep. obviously was running with the ones during August. Um, you know, here's another true freshman getting a start on on Saturday. Uh, talk talk about the young guys and anything that jumped out from their performance. No, I thought uh, I thought of Justin uh, Iboyby played uh, really well. That was his first start. Uh, I think we're going to see him. Um, it, it's it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that he was running with the ones uh, because while that is true. He was running with the the ones because most of camp, um, LeBron Ray was sidelined, and and so I don't know that he would have run ahead of LeBron. And so it's interesting that they have basically sort of rotated for one another, uh, you know, and they both had essentially the same injury, a foot injury. And so when <laughs> I guess when one of them it bugs them, then the other one plays, and when you know, and so there's on this like foot injury healing, feeling better in playing sort of rotation. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully we're going to sort of spin out of that cycle and Justin's going to be healthy and, and LeBron's going to come back. But I think that he's going to get better as he is, is healthy and, and gets more rotation, you know, in, in the position. Uh, I thought Christian Bearmore, and it was at the end of the game, I get it. But, you know, that last Southern Miss possession, Christian just rose up and said, this game is over and on three successive plays he made the tackle um and i i look forward to seeing him getting a little more run because uh, he he looked he looked pretty darn impressive let's, and i've let's, seen let's, him let's, in let's, other weeks uh, yeah no go ahead see him in other weeks what no i've seen him in other weeks make plays too and so i think that i think that you know, he's not going to crack the starting lineup this year, but I, I think he's going to get earlier and earlier into the rotation. So we have more fresh bodies in, you know, kind of earlier and earlier. 
And the more play he gets, I think the more plays he's gonna he's gonna make because I think he's just that kind of athlete, that kind of player at the on the D line. Well, we talk about when you get your opportunity to seize it, and I think he showed the coaches how much it matters for him to be on the field. And I think he earned yes. extra playing time because of it. But you know, you were talking about Justin, you know, take nothing away from LeBron Ray. But you hear about, you know, Alabama didn't win the recruiting. You know, they they didn't finish number one in college, you know, national, uh, the national landscape mm-hmm. recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. Once again, man, going back to, you know, when we started this podcast, right? How often will we have brought a kid in as a true freshman, right? Who would have been 6'5, 283 pounds and would have even seen the field, much less played as much as that kid did at defensive end? Right. I mean, it just it just shows the it shows the talent that he's bringing in, um, and and how ready these guys are to play. I just wanted to point that out. I mean, he's not your normal six five, two hundred eighty three pound freshman. Yep. Um. Did you? What What else jumped out at you? I saw Joe got some run there toward the end. Um. Were you surprised we? I and mean, I guess you're going to say no because these young, because Christian and Shane need the run. But I do think that I, I wish we were seeing a little more run from the backup linebackers because Shane Lee or Christian Harris could go down, and we need these guys to get some get some reps. Yeah, that's a double edged sword, right? I think that you don't want to take them out <clears throat> to get someone else reps when they need the reps, and so I think that. And again, I I am and I may be projecting a little bit, but I think this is the Billichek um, influence on Saban, and not back when they coached. I think this is recent. Um, I think you know they have recently um, you know exchanged ideas, and and, uh, and and for my money, I'm seeing Saban sort of demonstrate some of this. I think you know the bye week that we have this season is a little bit earlier, and I think in Saban's mind, he's treating it as Two different, two different events, two different seasons, if you will, and so he wants to get these guys as much experience as he can in this first phase. When we get into the second phase and we get deeper in the SEC, I think when a game is wrapped up, we'll see those guys rotate out, and so they're playing longer now. They'll rotate out earlier, later. Once they've gotten a certain amount of reps in them, a certain amount of, you know, understanding of of the position, I think we'll see them rotate out a little bit earlier um, in the in call it the second half of the season than what we're seeing right now. That's fair. Um, tell me, tell me what's that? What else jumped out at you on defense? I think that um, you know it's always you know we always want to shut out. And so when Mississippi uh, State or Southern Miss scored, uh, you know, it was a little bit of frustration. But if you look at how that happened, it was another dime circumstance, and they were and they were they were playing matchups, which is smart coaching. And one of the big plays that that helped Southern Miss move down the field was uh, a wheel route with Anthony Jennings in coverage, and that's going to be a mismatch. And uh, and and then on top of the big play. Uh, Josh Job hits the receiver or the running back out of bounds 
on what is Alabama's only penalty of the day after having 11 penalties against South Carolina. Uh, that's a big sort of shift. And so that put them in position to, to score that touchdown. And so you say that's two things that shouldn't have happened that conspired for Southern Miss, you know, to score a touchdown. And so, you know, always say you can score a touchdown, somebody can trip and fall down. Well, that's sort of the equivalent of that. You can have two things that didn't happen the whole rest of the day, and that's how they got their touchdown. Um, and uh, But it seemed the defense sort of uh, regrouped after that. I think the offense regrouped uh, as well coming out of half and, you know, continued to, continued to put on – you know, a display. So I'd say that for the touchdown, that's not something I'm, I'm worried about. Um, it's not like LSU giving up 38 to Vanderbilt. No, that's true. And, and poor McKinney got blamed for the foul when it was Joe. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but like you said, it was a 37. I mean, they were Southern Miss was at their 28. And when the play was over, they were at Alabama 17. No, it was a 37-yard play, right? And then you tack on a 15-yard penalty. So it ended up being a 52-yard play. Yes, yes. I mean, No, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and I think McKinney was was sort of blamed a couple times for, you know, for different stuff going on. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, hey, I understand he's all over the field, but he ain't that all over the field. No, absolutely. Well, well that was huge because they went from their 28 to our 17. But I'm glad yep. you brought this up real quick before we did many game balls because I'm going to tell you that on both of the – on two of the next three plays, when they had first and 10 at the 17, they got away with a pick to get yeah. the ball to the three. And then on their touchdown pass to their running back, they picked Christian Harris. They did two picks on three plays, and and that's how they scored their touchdown. Yeah. Your point, they had a 52-yard play plus the penalty, and then their next two pass completions are on pick plays. I'm not being sour grapes. It was they got the receivers didn't even try to act like they were running a route. They just ran right, right into the freaking and and on the last one it was on the 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 uh young linebacker Christian Harris and yep. um I I was it was very frustrating that that's how they they lost their shutout. Yeah. Well, DJ Dale got, I just want to throw this out there. DJ Dale, Dale got dinged up, uh, it, but it looks like he's going to be back uh, for my money. Uh, and every report I'm saying is that, that he's likely back for Ole Miss for my money. I, I would not play him or play him sparingly uh, and then, you know, give him more, some more time over, over the bye. And I, and I don't know if this is just me projecting too much or if, if Saban's, you know, subscribing into, into this as well, we got to keep, you know, you don't just put them back out there because they can play. You have to keep them fresh for the for the whole season, especially when we're talking. And, and look, I know Saban doesn't like people thinking like this. Every opponent is important. Any game, you know, you can lose, but we're not going to lose to Ole Miss, right? There's a truth to that, and so there's there's a truth that you got to motivate the players, and there's a truth also that says we're not losing to Southern Miss or to to Ole Miss. And so you got to strike the balance between can, can we get by this game without those guys playing, then keep them healthy. So we have them when we really need them. And so I bet we see a little bit of DJ Dell, but not a lot. No, that's true. Well, give me your mini game ball on defense. 
I think I've covered both. Uh, I I was gonna I was gonna give two Christian Harris and Jordan Battle, uh, and I think I've I think I've teed off. You've exhausted uh, those. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna give it to the young guys uh, who stepped in on the rotation on the defensive front that we've already talked about, and um, and got some run. Let's switch it to uh, special teams. Um, let's uh, let's tell the listeners what happened to Will Reichard and why uh, Scholar DeLong got uh, the one punt on the day. Yeah, you know, there's there's a uh, there's a Coke commercial where uh, out and they're talking about you know that your team on on the Coke can and it's this guy at the game and he's talking about I know our team is no good and and we're losing and the mascot's got his you know his his uh, uniform on wrong and. And our kicker stubbed his toe on the ball, and so, um, and so that's funny. And until your kicker does the same thing, and so uh, in some respects, and and I'm it's gallows humor. I'm sorry, but uh, but Will Reichart, um, and on the kickoff that went you know thirty something yards, he kicked the tee um, rather than kick the ball, and so obviously the ball didn't go as far, and um, he looks kind of you know jammed up or or pulled his hip flexor. And so, um, you know, obviously you don't want that for your kicker. So he was out, uh, you know, Bulovus did the PATs after that. Skyler did uh, the punting after that. Uh, it, Will's another situation, uh, you know, I've said this already a couple of times. He might play uh, or we might hold him out Saturday, and I'm okay with either. No, that's fair. Well, Skyler, you know, he he was given an opportunity, right, because of the circumstances yep. to come in and, and make a punt. And um, unfortunately for him, he did not get the job done. Um, you know, uh, his long of the day was only 38 yards. Yep. Yep. And he averaged 37. And so, you know, I mean, he grew, it was a tight grouping, but that's tight grouping around a low number. Um, you know, so I do, do we see Bernier? Uh, if if Reichert doesn't play on Saturday, which you know I'd call that fifty fifty, uh, would we see Bernier or would we continue to see Skyler? I think we continue to see Skyler. I, I can argue either. Yeah. I can argue either, but I think that there's something to be said to getting Skyler. Maybe we see both. Maybe Skyler is given an opportunity at the beginning of the game, and then if he still is not getting it done, uh, then maybe they make that switch. Yeah. I just think there's something there's when your name is Skylar DeLong, you've got to be a good punter. No, this is true. This is true. Now, you know, before I forget, right after Ruggs had caught, since we are on special teams, right after Ruggs had caught his second big touchdown, um, you know, a few plays later, we are we are um punting the ball and he's one of the gunners on the punt return uh the uh the punt coverage team and goes down there with his speed hustles, gets by uh, the blocker and, you know, makes the tackle. And I point this out to simply say, this is what makes a kid like this so special, right? Cause he could just be like, I don't coach, you know, by now he can say, coach, I I just don't want to be on the punt team if that's okay. You know, yeah. I'm gassed. I've, I've caught four catches for 135 yards and two touchdowns. But yet he's still out there contributing on that play, giving it all he's got. And so while we were talking mm-hmm. about special teams, I just wanted to point that out. Yep. No, I think that's I think that's spot on. And, again, it speaks to, um, 
call it the competitive character of these guys. No, absolutely. One more thing real quick on defense because I didn't want to you, – you mentioned Trayvon Diggs, and, and, and obviously I wish he wouldn't have got hurt last year. After that short kickoff where they had a short field is when Diggs made his interception. And yep. just if anybody – go back and watch that play. Um, you know, the announcers called it nicely when they talked about he was he was playing the role of the wide receiver. Yep. And obviously, he's been on both sides of the ball. I don't know if this was film study on this play or what, but it was. You talk about you, you talk about Christian Harris. Well, this this clip's going to be for Diggs after this season because he he played the ball perfectly, read the route, anticipated where he needed to be, got between the ball and the receiver, uh, played the role of the wide receiver, caught it over his shoulder. If the Southern Miss guy would have been throwing it to number seven, that we would have said this would have been a top ten uh, ESPN highlight for the day, uh, but yet it wasn't because it was the other team. But just a great interception. Yeah, it was. It was good coverage all the way down. Uh, I did see something where uh, I think Trevion was interviewed and he needed to talk about uh, some film study uh, contributing to his his level of preparedness. And of course, you know, the coaching that he gets <clears throat> uh, in the secondary is good, but he was definitely in step with the defender and was able to get in front of the defender, uh, which really stifles, uh, which really stifles what the receiver can do and what the quarterback and receiver can do. And so, you know, you get in that position knowing that the ball is going to be up uh, and then you can slow your pace and just let the ball come right to you. Uh, it was really well executed. And I think it demonstrates um, and again, not to go sort of sour grapes again on uh, the championship game, but I think it it shows you how Alabama could have been a lot better uh, against Clemson with Trevion playing as opposed to Savion playing. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, let's flip the page here to these Ole Miss Rebels who have yep. been a thorn in our side for you know a couple years in the past. This doesn't look like the year where they're going to be a thorn in our side. No, they don't. Uh, you know, they're they're two and two, and and potentially, you know, fortunate to be, uh, you know, two and two. Uh, you know, they're allowing almost four hundred yards uh, a game, over two hundred, uh, you know, over two hundred passing. I think that that bodes well for Alabama. Uh, they allowed twenty nine points to southeastern Louisiana. Um, there's a ton of Louisiana teams. I don't know that I knew there was a southeastern Louisiana, uh, but there sure is. And the Lions scored 29 on Ole Miss. So um, I think, you know, I hate to say Alabama can pick their score because it feels like we say that every week. Um, I think Alabama could just about pick their score. And I think Ole Miss is one of those teams that has beaten Saban two years in a row. Saban takes no shine to that. It's also a team – uh, you know, in a border state that we recruit against. And so I think I think Saban's not going to – doesn't want to embarrass somebody or doesn't want to run up the score. I think Ole Miss is one of those schools that he w- would not mind uh, crossing 50. And so I've got, I've got a 55-13 type score. Um, and if we're still throwing late, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you know what's interesting? In the last two years, he's broke the 60 barrier – um, which, you know, goes to show you, 
um, that, you know, he wasn't real pleased with, you know, how that game had turned out a few years ago. Um, It's hard to believe it's all the way back to 2015, um, the last time that, you know, the, you know, 14 and 15 is when this happened. I think we are going to break 50, which is, you know, which is fun. Because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't get it to is. do it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say we break 60, man. I, I'm going to say it's going to be something like 66 to three. And oh, um, wow. yeah, I, I think there's going to be some big plays happen late. That's going to run the score up. And um, I mean, this is a team, like you said, you know, who, you know, lost to Memphis um, this is a team that, you know, this is a team that just lost to California and, um, this team shows that they struggle to put points on the board. And, um, this, yeah. is, this is going to be when you can't put points on the board and you're leaving your defense out there to allow 400 yards a game, it doesn't bode well against Tua and the weapons that he has. No, I think you're right. And, and, you know, I think Ole Miss is a little bit sort of distracted too by that that California loss. They never should have lost the game. They never should have gotten to the position where you know the official ruled uh, a non touchdown, uh, which really essentially ran out the the clock. Uh, even if they had scored that touchdown, they'd still have to go. They were down by eight, so they'd still have to go for two. It's no guarantee that that score wins them the game. And if they get the two, they still have to go to overtime. So they're you can't say that 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 catch, you know, or you know, not non-catch, you know, cost you the game. But they sure are worked up about that, and their AD is getting all involved, and that kind of thing sort of lingers and is a distraction. And this is this is a week that Ole Miss can ill afford to be distracted. And so, if they continue to carry that forward, then it, yeah, I, th- I think it it bodes poorly for them, which that's fine. Um, and so, yeah, 60, you know, three, I, that's, I, that's low. I think they're going to toss it around a little bit. Uh, and so I'm going 55, 13. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe they don't get two scores, but, um, I, I think Alabama is in control of the game. Uh, call it early and often. Absolutely. Well, anything else for the listeners? You know, I'm just going to give a shout out to, uh, you know, watch Stumptown uh, that comes out this week. Uh, we've talked about that before. And uh, there's a new watering hole uh, in Tuscaloosa that's opened up called Sessions. And uh, I understand that they have just opened up. So um, if I find myself in Sessions after the Ole Miss game um, Saturday afternoon, that's probably a good bet. So if you're in town, stop on by. Um, I'll be the tomato looking guy cause I'll probably be sunburned from the game, uh, wearing an Alabama shirt. All right, man. So he will be the tomato looking guy wearing an Alabama shirt. Then, then yes. whenever you hear him say a few things, you'll be able to recognize him. And that's and, right. I <laughs> <laughs> can go chat, go, go, go talk some shop. So that's right. Well, that's right. Well, definitely enjoy doing this and, uh, look forward for another win. I'm kind of glad the bye week is coming at the where it is on the schedule uh, because yes. I think we've got a lot of young players that need the bye week to win the bye week as we always talk about uh, and 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 we need them as we you know continue on to the home stretch of the season. 
Completely agree. Completely agree. All right, man. Well, take us home. All right. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.